the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And welcome to That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. I'm your host, Nick DiGilio. I'm a podcaster, a comedy writer and performer, graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week, we'll look back at everything SNL, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts, behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much more. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't, but with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche that you hear all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. And I do have a guest, and I'm very excited about the guest on this episode. Katie Rich is a comedian, a writer, and a producer. She spent six years writing for SNL exclusively uh, for Weekend Update. Um, she is a native of Chicago's South Side. She started her career at I.O. or Improv Olympic. She moved on to Second City. She was with Tourco for a while. She spent uh, years on the main stage as well. Uh, and uh, in addition to SNL, she has written for TV shows like um, uh, the Chicago Party Ant, which she co-created, The Glue Factory. She wrote for the Emmy Awards, the NFL Honor Awards, the Golden Globes, and the 2050 White House, 2015 White House Correspondents' Dinner, which Cecily Strong uh, uh, hosted. Uh, she's a terrific writer and a very funny woman who started an improv from Chicago, moved to, to New York to work exclusively writing for Weekend Update, one of the best segments that you can have on Saturday Night Live. And she is a guest on my podcast right now. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Katie Rich. Hi, Katie. Hi, Nick. It's so good to talk to you. It's great to talk to you. <laughs> and I want to thank you so much for being uh, on the podcast. Um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of, of your work and, um, and a oh. huge fan, obviously, of SNL and of Weekend Update, which we'll get to. Um, and before we get to all of that, I want to start right at the beginning because you have a huge connection to this very city that I'm sitting in, uh, in Chicago. You are indeed from the south side of I Chicago. Am- I am. I grew up on 80th and Pulaski um, in a house, not like on the street. And um, <laughs> and so and then we we did move to the, the suburbs for me to go to high school in the suburbs because mm. uh, we couldn't afford Mother Macaulay, basically. Mm. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah. So I um, people always joke like if Katie ever like legitimately left Chicago, there would be that would feel insane. Because I, I feel like I, I never quite leave. I'm always coming back. I mean, my, my dad is here, but even when I was at SNL, I would go, I commuted between New York and Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> it stays with you, right? This city stays with you. There's just- well, yeah. And I think I thought, I assumed like, oh, I'll probably get fired in six months. So why relocate um, right. all the way? But yeah, it, it's like, I can't, I can't get away. I don't want to get away. Mm-hmm. 80th and Pulaski. Um that's great. And that's really great. So you were in the city. Do you have brothers and sisters, big family or small family? Or? I do. I have a sister and a brother who are, I was a very much a mistake. They are uh, <laughs> 20, 
they are 20 and 16 years older than me respectively so um so yeah so i was very much a mistake and uh but it worked out pretty well. I will say it's if, if you it's it's not a bad way to grow up uh, being the the oops baby. Yeah. Um, but we what do you mean? Huge... What, 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 how does that how, what do you mean by well, that? We have like a huge we have like a huge Italian family. My dad had eight brothers and sisters. And so, oh, um, you know, I was the baby, baby, baby. Um, and it is a it is a nice way to grow up. But then once you get into the real world, it is sort of jarring because you're like, oh, wait, I'm not special at all. Like yeah, I was I gotcha. growing up. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. But yeah, so so that's that's where that's where old Katie started. You started there, and yeah, uh, and but we're Cubs fans. See now, oh, you know, I was going to ask. We'll get to that in a little bit. There's, there's okay, a connection. Okay. There's a Got connection it. that we have a little bit later on that involves the Cubs. Um, okay, great. And while you were at your tenure at uh, at yes. SNL, yes, yes, um, yes, yes, But but how does that work? You 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 born uh, and and uh, spent a significant amount of time at 80th and Pulaski, and then went to Orland. How mm-hmm. does one stay or become and stay a Cub fan? Those are Sox fan areas. They are. And I, I would like to put it out there that I do not dislike the White Sox. Yes. I, I, I think it's I, – my heart is hurting for that organization and their fans. It's insane uh, yeah. how, what, what's going on down there. But, um, but my – okay, so my, my dad's oldest brother lived in Lincoln – or I'm sorry, Logan Square. Yeah. And so that, and he was a Cubs fan. So then okay. everyone, everyone followed suit. And oh, so that's why. That's interesting. So one that's why. guy, one guy. The, but he was the a, oldest. He was, he was the, the oldest. So even though there were six others or seven others that were, you know, siblings, uh, Our, to, <laughs> like uncles you know, and aunts and stuff. Exactly. This was the guy, this was the guy you followed, right? And you know what? I think too, a lot of it is because of WGN, which I was just thinking about that today because in Go Cubs Go, how they say you can catch it all on WGN, you know, that's why so many people are Cubs fans because WGN was all over the country and now they don't have that anymore. So I think that had something to do with it too, right? Because we had family like in New York and, you know, so the the Cubs were, you know, a little more, our, our AL team is the, is if it's not the, it's the White Sox, but then the Yankees. So I will say that. Okay. I know nobody wants to hear that, but yeah, that I didn't, I didn't expect that. Just, you I know. Just, it was, and if I just you want me to, do you want me to log off? I'll log no. off. <laughs> I get it. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's weird though. Don't you think that's weird that yes. like Yankees would be your second? How did that happen? Just because of baseball. I mean, my father's just loves baseball so much. And, you know, obviously it's hard to, you know, he grew up in the fifties and, you know, it's hard to not be a Yankees fan I yeah. think, at that time, you know? Okay. So, so that's all. I mean, it's like, I always say it's like Catholicism, you know, you, you know, it's wrong and you know, the people in charge are bad, but like you grew up with it. And so you kind of, <laughs> that's your allegiance. Um, it's like how it is with sports. <laughs> uh, that's a great way of putting it. I never thought of it that right? way. But that's from now on. That's, that's what I'm thinking. That's from how now it is. On. That's right? it. No, that's it. It's, Catholic, it's like Catholicism. That's exactly yep. what it is. Exactly I know they take it. advantage of young boys, but I'm still. Yes, they do. That's, not that's not in the MLB, in the uh, in the church, not the. In MLB. the church. Yeah. Well, no. okay. we don't know. Maybe well, we, well, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. We don't know. We did. Bryce Harper was on the cover of Sports <laughs> Illustrated as a young teen, so I don't know. That's true. Um, that's very true. But anyway, yes. So, uh, so, that, so that's, yeah. Uh, and now, now growing up, okay. Yes. Uh, did you catch a lot of shit for being a Cub fan where you were living? You know, yes and no. I mean, uh. I actually don't think we really did. No. I, I think I think kind of like I remember in high school there was a little bit of razzing, but 
you know, the Cubs were so bad mm-hmm. that it was sort of one of those things where if you wanted to endure that, God bless you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was sort of, uh, if that was the burden that you wanted to bear, then it, it, there was nothing you could say to me that was worse than being a Cubs fan. So yeah. um, I think it was okay. And yeah. then of course, you know, in the end, we're all Bears fans. Yes. Even if. Even, even after, after yesterday. yesterday, yes. Even after yesterday. <laughs> so that's sort of what, you know, if you get in a fight, you can kind of be like, but well, let's talk about the Bears, and then everyone agrees. It was amazing. We were driving through the, the city yesterday, and not oh. only – and we were driving uh, from the south side. My my, yeah. my my girlfriend lives at 73rd and South Shore, like in, okay. that, in that area. And um, so we were driving in to the Music Box Theater to see a Billy Wilder movie yesterday. And oh, as wow. we were driving in – um, there was a Bears game at three yes. against Green Bay, and yes. on top of that, there was a home game at Wrigley against Arizona, and the Cubs yes. are kind of in a pennant thing, maybe? I mean, it's weird. <laughs> well, it's so weird because they it was like they seemed unstoppable, and then they almost got swept by Arizona, who is not a terrible team, by the way. Yeah. But um, but it it was just like, oh, this isn't the time to do your to pull your fucking bullshit. Yeah. But um, so we don't know because it's there's the wild card and then there's di- there's the, the division yeah. and yeah. it's like I don't know which one. I mean, we're not gonna. I don't know. It depends. Yeah. It's it's That's, really gonna be exciting. Your your response is exactly right, which is I don't know. Like you know, I don't like, know. Oh, exactly. And it's been an incredibly surprising season and a fun season to watch the Cubs. This it year. has it been really, really has. fun. They've been and, so fun. Their clubhouse, you can just tell. And my yep. my husband, my husband is actually from Philadelphia, and he's a Phillies fan. Mm. And the Phillies, I think, have that same vibe. Yeah. They, they they just have a fun team. You can tell they have a they're just good guys that really get along. There's not a lot of toxicity or drama in the clubhouse. Yep. Um so I yes. will say if 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 it ends up being Cubs Phillies in the wild card, we have decided that we're going to dip into our uh retirement and go. <laughs> yeah. Well, <coughs> excuse me. It could be worth it. I will say this. You see your, your husband's from Philly, huh? Yeah, he was actually born in New York and then he went to, you know, he went to college in Philly and he um so he's a he's a Philly sports fan and a Chicago only, connection, right? He worked at a museum here in Chicago, didn't he? Well, that's because he moved here to be with me, Nick. Oh, God bless you! That's yes, I know, right? For the lady, thank you so Moving, much. Yeah, yeah. Thank oh, you so well, much. Thank you. So the so the Phillies, though, I I do want to mention this, and we'll get to that uh, Saturday Night Live thing that you were on. I mean, I'll talk baseball all but, day. No, no, no. Like. I understand, and, that's, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm already in love with you, so we're gonna it's, it's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> so, um, so the Phillies, I do have to, uh, you know, um, I. I'm the biggest fan of the night of the 93 Phillies. Um, You're kidding. No, no, no. That was my favorite team. Like one of my favorite teams ever. I've been a diehard. I grew up, listen, Katie, I grew up on Addison six blocks away from Wrigley. Oh so, my God. No, seriously. And that was when that neighborhood was horseshit. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't go east of Ashland without getting your no. face kicked in. That was a, yeah. that was a thing. I literally, if you're ever back in Chicago, if you ever ride the Brown line, which I don't know if you do, but if you ride sure. the Brown line, the Addison Brown line, the greenhouse next to the Addison Brown line is the house I grew up in. And oh not, my God, that is so wild! Yeah, you it, right there, off it, of Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln and, and, and Ravenswood, right there. That's where I grew wow. up in that in that house. Like you, maybe if you've ever stood on that platform, you probably looked into my old bedroom window. Like I'm literally right there. That's where. All I'm right, up. don't be a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you'd be surprised how many times I'd wake up and there'd be people staring, staring yeah, into my window, you know. Um, so anyway, so so that's where I grew up. So my allegiance is with the Cubs. But in 93, um, I, 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 I 
took a huge liking to that team, to the 93 Phillies. Sure. Because they were all a bunch of fat fucking drunk yep. idiots. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, Kruk ended up being on the White Sox, but you had, like, Dykstra and Incavalia and all those guys, and they were all drunk goofballs that had no business getting to the World Series, and then they get beaten by a goddamn Canadian team. But they, but it, it, I, that team is one of my most beloved teams in the history of baseball was the 93 Phillies. Two things to say to that. One, yeah. a friend of ours, we have a autographed picture of Mickey Morandini as a cub. No, my as favorite a cub. cub. My favorite cub, by the way. My favorite uh, cub. Autographed on our refrigerator. Oh. Um, because that is our, you know, obviously. And he's the best guy. Like if you, yeah, we I had have, him on. I had him on my show when I was on uh, uh, WG, and I had him on my show. Yeah, I had him on my show twice. He's just the best guy. He does yep. so much in Philadelphia. He's such a great ambassador for that team. Yep. And then Cruck. So <laughs> we have MLB. We have MLB TV because we're degenerates, and so we can watch, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. And I mostly watch those games to listen to Cruck. He's so fucking funny. He is unbelievable. And, and he's the guy who said the thing that I think sums up baseball the most, which is that baseball players aren't athletes because. Yeah. It's the only sport where if you can't run, someone runs for you. If you can't yep. pitch, someone pitches for you. If you can't right. bat, someone bats for you. <laughs> yep. Well, my, one of my favorite Kruk stories, and I love John Kruk. I love, I love every – Mickey Mordini is my favorite Cub. Oh, my God. That's so funny. He's my favorite Cub. Uh, um, not like – I mean, like, player. But he's my favorite Cub. He's my favorite, like, dude, like, Cub. And, yeah, I and get he's, it. he's my favorite type of player, too. He's the scrappy dude. He gets, like, a single, gets a double, you know, works that shit out, and he works great in the infield. I love Mickey Mordini. Snowball. Yes, exactly. And so yeah. I once had Mickey Morandini, the quick story, I once had Mickey Morandini on my radio show and I was interviewing him and I'm like, uh, hey, because um, the only Cubs jersey that I have with anybody's name on the back of it, because all my Cubs jerseys are kind of like generic, sure. the only one that I have is Morandini. Wow. And, and so I was like, yeah, I've got it. And I was like, I proudly, man, every time I go to Wrigley, I wear a Mickey Morandini jersey. I said, I got a Mickey Morandini jersey. And he said, yeah, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> which is the best compliment it was oh. the best thing ever so, but that sums him up too he's an amazing yeah. guy but so yeah but the, you know and, and it, there was never really like a phillies uh, i don't know there was never there's not really a huge rivalry between the no. phillies and the cubs not and so, really unless we're in the playoffs or whatever exactly right? so, yeah, yeah so it actually has worked out quite well because it has. It has. it's very easy for it's very easy for my husband and i to root for each other's teams yeah um it, because yeah, I, there's I mean, no if, bad blood there and yeah, it's not like you married some jagoff from St. Louis. You know what I mean? Thank it's you so much. oh yes. yeah. Well, yeah. and we both hate the Cardinals, so it's yeah. Fine. There you go. But then like, they're fine. You know, they're fine. And now but, they have Schwarber, and yeah, and, and you know they, they just have that that World Series run last year was so fun. Yeah. And like, but anyway, so but anyway, so we'll so, so 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 quickly though the '93 Phillies. My, and you said John Cruck. There's a quick story about yes. the '93 Phillies. They had a night game. Um, and then it went extras, like way into the night. This is one of the stories okay. that I love about the 93 Phillies. One of the sort of, okay. I, I, and then they had a doubleheader the next day because they had to make up for a rain delay or a rain out. Okay. So they have a late game. All right. And the game goes to like one o'clock in the morning. They've got to be back at the, at the park for a doubleheader at like, you know, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. or something. Oh, no. So Incavalia, Morandini, Kruk, uh, uh, Dykstra, all the, all the maniacs. Decide, Wait. fuck it, we're not going home. So they drank in the in the in the locker room. So oh they ordered God. pizzas and they got tons of beer and they got shit faced and they fell asleep. And the next day, Kruk was too hungover to play in the first game, so he only played in the second game. 
And then he, I think he went like two for four and he had like two RBIs. But of course. So so they're they're passed out and they wake up in the in the locker room. People are coming in in the morning and these guys are there. And they the, the next day they they actually did not shower. They played in the in their uniform Ugh, from the night before. Disgusting. And they went to the World Series that year. So that's that's, it's, that's, that's it's so funny. I mean, it, it's just like the, the thought of that is insane now. Like yeah. the, you know, of, of like green juice and Pilates and like <laughs> You know, the thought of these guys just ripping heaters and, you know, sitting in the, in the, it's just, it seems insane. Completely. And insane. So I, it's like I a will, different game now. I will always love that. Please send the message to your husband saying that. It, I will. Yes. There's one fan in Chicago that still worships the 93 Phillies. He I will just, love that. That will make him so happy. It okay. really will. It All really right. will. Now that we've talked forever okay. about. Now that we've talked about, about baseball. <laughs> this, by the way, this is, by the way, I want to let everybody know that this, this, uh, this podcast is about. Saturday Night Live, not baseball. I so I, I think we should probably get to it. <laughs> I'm having such a good time talking baseball with you. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Back to Chicago. Um, yes. What got you interested? Because you started out working at I.O., which for old people like me is Improv Olympic. Um, right. And you, you started working at I.O., but what got you into comedy? Was it Saturday Night Live? Did you start watching it? Or what was no, your – What, what was the insp I mean, inspiration? I mean, look, I, I think everyone – the thing that Lauren Michaels always says about SNL is the show was its best when you shouldn't have been watching it, right? Like the show was its best when you were maybe 11 and you knew you couldn't, you, you it was on a little too late and it might've been a little too risque yeah. Yeah. and you probably didn't get the jokes, but you knew it was funny. You knew it was something. Um, so just like any other kid, like I, I, I did watch it and I did enjoy it, but what really got me into two things got me into comedy. One was that, um, well, first of all, I, I've been 5'10 since like fifth grade. Like I'm, mm. I'm just this, I was very tall. And um, I loved basketball because obviously this was during the Bulls. So everyone loved basketball. Yep. Um, and I was very, very bad at uh, sports. <laughs> okay. okay. I was just like, I was so, I, I, there was like a, you know, there was like a minute bowl quality about me and that I was just taller than everyone. So the ball would just come to me, but then I, I didn't know what to do with it. So my mother sort of took pity on me and was like, what if you auditioned for a play? Maybe we try something else because mm -hmm. you have no future in this. And so I did. And the play my freshman year in high school was a Second City style review. And so we actually went to Second City. Oh, yeah. And I was, you know, 13. And... um it was like Colbert and Carell oh. and, you know, and Jackie Hoffman and pe yeah. people that, you know, at the time were not what they are now. Yep. And I just remember being in the audience and thinking, I don't know what this is, but whatever this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And so I sort of, you know, and as you do, you get sidetracked with things here and there. But eventually when I got to Second City and I was on that main stage, it, it was sort of a, a reckoning after that because... I was 30 years old and I had kind of achieved my dream and I had no other dream beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so it was actually Second City that was my, um, my, for a lot of people, SNL is what Second City was to me. Yeah, I understand. I completely. Yeah. I did, I did players and I did Second City. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, like that. And I was at, 
Second City when Farley was on the main stage. Oh God! Um, at that time, and that was when I was that was when I was training at Second City and and work. And then I did kid shows at Second City too, so I got to work on that stage a lot. And it was that's pretty awesome. It was pretty. It amazing. is. It really is. There's something about it. There's magic there. There's no question about it. I mean, yeah. You know, whatever you can say about it, that as soon as you, even when you walk into that place now, it's like, man, it's just uh, it, you know, it's 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 God's world is what it is. What it is. It's really wild, yeah. and so. So that was um, that. That's how I got into it. That was, mm -hmm. I just knew that that's all I wanted to do. And I was the kid who, like, if one of my friends had a car, I, I had like four different groups of friends so that I could go to Second City and watch the sets for free in high school. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was yeah. like we would go and, um, and it was just that was that was all I cared about. I remember yeah. like taking the programs home like mm -hmm. scratching them at my mom's work wow and like hanging them up like, I, I know it was just like I mean there was no internet so it was like yeah. you, could, you know yeah. what I mean like everything was so so did was, you so so from that point everything. so then then what did you do you went you went to did you go to IO first is that how you is that how it's yeah so what happened was I I really wanted to go to Northwestern there was no way we could afford it so yeah. I ended up going to this little liberal liberal arts school um for a couple years and I, I just, I, it wasn't for me. I, I really didn't like it. I really wanted to be in Chicago. And so they had, if you could believe it, a study abroad program that was in Chicago. It was essentially, they call it urban studies. And so you like lived <laughs> in Chicago and you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do that. Okay. And <laughs> okay. my right. internship was at IO. Oh man. Okay. And so I was working directly with like Sharna and everybody. Yeah. 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 And I dropped out of school mm -hmm. and just stayed. And then it was one of those things where I was like, I have to finish school. I can't, I knew that if once I got to second city, I would never finish school. So I was like, you are not going to pursue second city until you finish school. So it only took me seven years, but I did end up, um, I did end up then going to Northwestern because by that time I was kind of on my own. So I was, you know, I, it was a lot cheaper for me yeah. to go then. Yep. So I did go to Northwestern and then I finished. And then as soon as I finished, I set my sights on, on, um, second city. Mm -hmm. Who was in your cast when you were, cause you did, I know that you did tour co for a while. Was there anybody that, yeah. that, that, we, that, that we would know? Um, yeah. My first cast was incredible. We did a show called, uh, it was called the South side of heaven uh, and it yeah. actually had this very classic, uh, white Sox versus Cubs scene in it that all the like Ozzy Guillen came and like, Oh, it was so we had, Oh wow. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. And, um, but it was, uh, it was like Timmy Robinson and Sam Richardson. Oh, those guys. Um, wow. yeah, that, that, that was my first cast. And it was actually, you know, looking back, I have such great memories, but I knew at the time it was really difficult because I was still really young and green and didn't really know what I was doing. And they just in my head seemed so fully formed and, you know, but, but I learned so much from them and I, I'm so, I'm so grateful to have gotten that yeah. experience as my first show. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Detroiters, Jesus Christ, that show. It's, uh, uh, it's so funny. It's, it's so funny. It's so and, unique. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, and, and both of those guys are incredibly original, incredibly funny. And it, you know, the, the, uh, I think I should leave, uh, is, I mean, Jesus Christ, he's so funny. And, and I so felt funny. that, I felt that his tenure at SNL was underwhelming, not because of him. Um, I thought he was great, but they didn't know how to use him. Well, because he was too funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know that go. sounds coming weird. From, but it... No, coming from a writer, that that sounds great. By the way, coming from a writer, you have no idea how lovely that sounds. 
He you know was. I mean? It was like you can't put him in the background because that's yeah. all you're going to do is want to see what that guy's going to do. Yeah. Like you can't. He, he was just so he's just so funny. Yeah. Um, and in such a unhinged way. Yeah. Um, but in reality, he's like this sweet man. Like, you know what I mean? He's like this yeah. sweet, lovely, normal man. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I was really, really lucky that that's that's who I got to work with right out the bat. Now, somebody who understudied for you, though, on Second City uh, on the stage was Cecily, Cecily Strong. Yeah, Cecily Strong was my understudy. And um, and so we and, and we actually worked together in the box office at I.O., if you can believe it. Wow. And yeah. um, and we she was just great. We, we got along so well. We would have so much fun uh, working together and just talking. And she and I, I taught her, too, at one point, And she was just she there was just something about her. She was so captivating and so good. And yeah, um. And so then she got hired at SNL and then I had, I had auditioned a couple times for SNL and I had auditioned that year and I didn't get it, but then they brought me on to write for mm -hmm. weekend update. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so, okay, let's go, let's get, so, so you started out with that. Now, as just a, before you got, uh, you know, before you became obsessed with second city and started to yeah. Xerox, Xerox I mean, copy the programs on. and stick them up all over the place. Travis, Travis Bickle, like I mean, you, truly. <laughs> so, did you watch? You watched SNL, correct? So, oh yeah, of clearly. Course. All right, what were your yeah. favorite growing up? Because I always like to talk to people about their experiences watching SNL, what it was like for them. A lot of people watch it when they're kids, and they get in, you know, they get into it. Tell me about your early experiences digging SNL, and what was what was your favorite stuff? I mean, I just first of all, I just remember being so young in an older family. There's it, it, there's not a lot of stuff that you can relate to your brothers and sisters about. And even, even like your parents and it's, I mean, you're just so distant from them, yeah. but it seemed like SNL was always a shorthand. Um, so if, if there was a catchphrase from SNL that we could both understand, that was, that, that just felt so good to be on the same page comedically. And so even though I was too young, I just remember, um, John Lovitz was very like big in our house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, um, so, you know, the liar and all that yep. was, was a, was a big one. And then, um, Chris Farley was obviously just so important in our house too. And then, you know, it's funny looking back, a lot of it was like Dana Carvey and, and the, like the Bush impression and the Ross yeah. Perot impression. Yeah. Um, he dominated when he was on that show. He, he really did. Yeah, but did. but then as I got older and I had my own kind of sense of humor, my mm -hmm. my cast really was uh, Will Ferrell and and Molly Shannon, and yeah. that that was my that was my cast. That was my cast in you know in yeah. high school when it was yeah. like we're gonna just we think we're doing original material, but really we're just ripping off what we saw on Saturday Night yeah. Live the night before. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting because that was a um, you know I've been watching it since I've been watching. Saturday Night Live since the first show, since George okay, Carlin got posted it. in 1975. Yeah. And I've been a, a geek since then. Like, I've literally seen every episode, and I'm not kidding, every single episode. I believe you. And um, that <clears throat> that period that you're talking about, the Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon is my favorite female cast member in the history of the show. Oh, I, and what a wonderful, what a wonderful person. And just, yep. I just, I love that she's having this kind of renaissance where she's being recognized for how complex of a performer she really is. And her memoir is amazing. She's oh, yes. just, it's incredible. And I love her. But what you mentioned though, there, there, I remember that specifically because like people were shitting on, on, on SNL for a few, well, they yeah. did on a lot, they always but they do. were shitting on it for, for a while. And then that cover of Rolling Stone came out where they were on the cover. 
and she was Mary Catherine Gallagher, and you had the the cheerleaders, and you had the Roxbury guys on that cover of of, uh, of Rolling Stone. And I remember people were like, "What is all this? Who are these people?" And there was this resurgence at that time. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And so but, yeah. It, it, it really shifted from like like if you watch if you watch the. Uh, when it was, you know, Jan Hooks and, and Phil Hartman. And when you watch those, there are some scenes that are literally just one act plays. I know. There are scenes yep. that they're just 10 minutes. Yeah. And there's not really big laughs, but they're just lovely and well done. And, you know, there's like that diner scene. That's exactly what I was, the Alec Baldwin. Yeah, the, the Alec Baldwin yep. diner scene. And, yep. and it, it's just so interesting how, how, much it changed you could never get away with that now that, that a, would never ever be on a on a sketch comedy show that would seem insane absolutely absolutely and, I, and as i've done this show now i'm i'm about uh you know eight, eight, nine months into doing this show it started at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year doing this podcast and i go back and i and i play clips from and i and i analyze you know other seasons and episodes and stuff like that and it, what i've noticed is like going back like you said like there are sketches that i can't imagine a sketch there was a the the night that rodney dangerfield hosted Oh my um, God. in, in 1980 during that weird year where at that point, like everybody was leaving, like Belushi and Aykroyd yeah. had left at that point, And Bill Murray was like doing movies. Nobody really gave a shit anymore at that point. They were right. kind of, um, but they had Rodney come in and host and they did a 13 and a half, almost 14 minute sketch. That was a complete reenactment or satire of Manhattan. And it was in black and white of, of yeah. Woody Allen's Manhattan. And the thing goes on for 14 minutes and I hadn't yeah. seen it in many years and I'm watching it. And as someone who's, you know, talking to a lot of guests and doing shows about recent SNL history, it's astonishing to me that there was a 14 minute sketch about yeah. Manhattan in black and white. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. But I will say one thing that I've really loved about the, the, the last couple years of SNL, I mean, obviously I'm not there anymore, but I feel like they are trying stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there was a really beautiful when it, gosh, forgive me. I, I think it was Maya Rudolph was hosting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was recent where they did this beautiful, um, film piece of like her in the, in, in 30 rock and running yeah. into all her old friends. Right. right. And, and Rachel was in the tub. Rachel Trash Rachel was in the was tub. In the yeah. T- yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. It, it's like, I feel like they're sort of, a they're going back to this kind of odd, artistic way of of doing of of doing comedy that that i i hope they continue in that direction it's really really beautiful i agree with you i i completely agree with you 100 percent. and i think that the i think the casts over the past seasons have been really strong especially the women i think the women over the i've always said that like since around that period that you're talking about the you know the will ferrell period because when you, you know, like you look at that cast, you've got Sherry O'Terry, you got Anna Gasteyer, you got Molly Shan. I mean, all of these all-star women, and the women are like right now, presently, I think the women are the strongest cast members in the show, and like I think Heidi Gardner is fucking an all-star, uh, and and I think, so I think yeah. a lot of that too is I think a lot of that too is the change in you know there's very strong female writers, yeah, you know, and that's gonna. You know, you can say whatever you want, but you you gravitate towards people that remind you of you as far as what you want to write for that have your sensibility. And so right, right. Um, I think that that has a lot to do with it, too, because I think if you don't have if you can't write and you don't have people that will write for you, I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to die on that show. And 
and, so and, it, and, if you're and a think, woman and nobody wants to write for you, I mean, what, right. are, you, what are you going to do? Well, that's that's the thing. <clears throat> that resurgence that we're talking about that happened like in the late 90s into the early 2000s and really kicked off. Uh, it's not a coincidence that Tina Fey became head writer right around that time. You know no, what I mean? And then like, you have it's someone not... like Paula. You have someone like Paula yep. Pell. Amazing. There, yeah. you know, you, you also have like Adam McKay too, who has the, a different sensibility as far as what sketches and yeah. you know yeah. what satire is. And so, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I really really love. I love how I love that SNL is feeling like it's going back to being weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like they've got a lot of beautiful weirdos on that show, and that's yeah. what that show always was, even though it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. But but like when you look back, you're like those were. It started with a pack of stone cold weirdos. Yep. And that's what that show always has been. And I I feel like they're, I feel like they're sort of going back in that direction, and I I love it. I love I, it. I agree. I agree. And and, and I, I totally agree with you 100. Uh, so. All right. So you said you auditioned and this would have been what, 2013 um, when you yeah, auditioned? Yeah, I had auditioned before too. I had auditioned, I had, go, I had flown out there for, this was, it was a long, it was maybe 2009. I don't know. It was, it, okay. I was in no way ready to do it. Uh -huh. And in fact, I remember once I started working there, I was like, can you please delete that audition off of the <laughs> server? Because I don't want anyone to see it. Um, but I, I had gone out there and auditioned and you know, it's a, a lot of it is just timing. I mean, I don't think you want to have someone like me and Cecily on the same show. I mean, it's too similar. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the audition process was, is really interesting because you actually, you go and you stand on the stage, you stand where the host stands for their monologue and you, you do your five minutes. And um, actually there was a tech mix up in mine Oh, no. So they played the wrong sound cue. They played oh. the sound cue for the next thing. Oh. And I just went, okay. And I think I just said something like, you know, well, spoiler, you know, this is this is coming up next. And and then they fixed it and it was fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember just being so like devastated by that. But yeah. yeah. But that's okay. I mean, it was nobody's, it's fine. It was nobody's fault. I, I always say, if you ever get a chance to audition, I always say, who do I say this to? But if you ever get a chance to audition for SNL, I would say, <laughs> don't, don't have a lot of tech. Like, cause, cause it's not their fault. It's not, you know, you don't have a chance to rehearse or anything yeah. like that. So, right. um, but it was, and then we went and we got blackout drunk. And I remember the next day after that audition, I threw up in the LaGuardia bathroom. <laughs> because I was still so drunk. <laughs> and you were not the first person in that hour to throw up in the LaGuardia bathroom. Oh, no, it was the I was in the LaGuardia throwing up bathroom. I went specifically <laughs> to that one. LaGuardia is nice now, though. It, that's that's like what very... I hear. I haven't been there in years, but. Uh, oh, my God, God Nick, place. if you go, you're just going to be like. I remember when it was just like buckets of water oh. collecting from the ceiling, and there was like one Hudson News that hadn't been restocked <laughs> in like 22 years. <laughs> But now it's like it's beautiful. That's what I, you know. A friend of mine went, and I was I, every time I you know like because uh, I've been I've been to New York many times. I haven't gone in many many years. But every the last time I went, Laguardia was still a shithole, and it was still yeah. a dump, and it was still, it's still the only. I remember sitting on the tarmac at Laguardia for like three hours for no reason, like sure. after we landed, we landed and we just sat there. And I remember yeah. it's the only, I'm not a big fan of Friends, Katie, the show, sure, not like at all. And the only time I ever saw an entire episode of Friends was because we were stuck on the tarmac at LaGuardia and somebody popped the video in. Like the stewardess. Do you think that you were dead for three hours? <laughs> I do. It felt that way. And then you get off the plane. Finally, oh, 
okay, finally I'm here. And then you walk into LaGuardia and you're like, oh, Jesus, this is worse than the plane. You know, I, I mean, I, I remember when they got a Starbucks. <laughs> and this is recent. I mean, this is yeah. within the last, you know, five years. I right. remember they got like, their first Starbucks in the terminal I always flew out of. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, it was like, we made it. Like, it, it was just so. And now, I, now I'm like, I, I remember I said to my husband, one time when we were flying out of New York recently, I was like, I kind of want to like hang out here. Yeah. Like it's, it's gorgeous and there's fun restaurants. There's like a fountain show. Yeah. yeah like yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. I, I saw pictures. A friend of mine went to New York and he, he, he told me, he's like, yeah, I'm flying in the LaGuardia. I'm like, Oh God, that shithole. And he's like, yeah, no, it's whatever. awesome. And then he took pictures. He's like, dude, I'm here. And he took a it's bunch awesome. of pictures and sent them to me. And I'm like, that's not LaGuardia. What is, what's happening? Yeah. So. It's awesome. All right, so you 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 were at LaGuardia, and then you didn't you you got blind drunk. But now, so you auditioned a couple of times. Um, yes. And then you didn't get it. But how did you end up getting asked to come back as a writer? How does that happen? It just happened. I mean, it was one of those things where I think they wanted, you know, Cecily was on Weekend Update, and I think they wanted uh, there there was no one there that was really could write for her necessarily. I mean, yeah. Um. And so I, it was, it was really, it was, it was really crazy that that time was such a crazy time in my life because I had decided I was done at Second City. I didn't want to do the next show. I was done, but I had no idea what I was going to do next. And Nick, I don't know how to drive. I, cause I graduated high school early. Then I went mm. to college. Like I, I've always lived in a city. I don't know how to drive. Mm -hmm. So I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave Second City. I'm going to learn how to drive and then we'll move to LA and we'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. That was like my plan. Like with my husband, he was like, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do. And, but I was so scared. Cause I was like, I can't like, I'm leaving this thing that I wanted for so long and I'm not dead and I'm 30, you know what I mean? And like, like yeah. I, I have so much life ahead of me and I, I don't know what I want to do. And I can't, I couldn't see the future. I saw nothing, but I just knew I had to make this jump. And I, George went, the, his, his second city cast from the eighties is this wonderful group of people. Yeah. And they experienced, um, Danny Breen had, somebody from the cast had passed away. And so right. they were all in town and they all came to the show and, and we kind of, you know, we ended up like becoming sort of like sister cities, but like sister casts with them. Mm -hmm. So we, we were always, uh, anyway, long story longer, George was there and, he and I, we, we, we know each other and he and I were just kind of, you know, drinking and, and I told him, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm so scared. And he, he grabbed me. He like grabbed me by the shoulder. I was like, Katie, I have to tell you, I was the same way. I was the same exact way. He's like, the only thing I ever wanted was second city. I was so terrified when I left and he goes, and then I ended up sitting on a bar stool saying the best lines that have ever been written, you know? Yeah. And he really was like, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Mm. And I kid you not, like about two weeks later, they contacted me and they were like, can you do a weekend update packet? And I was like, okay. Mm. And I did it and I got hired and I, I got hired on my grandmother's it would have been our hundredth birthday. Wow. I remember that. Yeah. And it was just like, wow, George was right. Like it just, it just happened. And I sweated so hard about this packet. Like they gave me a week to do it and it was like the worst week of my life. And, um, and then a few years later I found out Pete Schultz, who's the head writer at Weekend Update. 
he told me he was like uh we went in to talk to lauren and be like we think we want to hire katie and lauren was like oh i love her yeah hire her and i was like so wait a minute i didn't have to do that packet like i could have and he was like i guess not i mean yeah. <laughs> well what was in the packet that you that you did it was just jokes. So basically yeah. what they do is for Weekend Update every day, we would come in and our producer, Scott Weinstein, who is the only reason anything gets done for Weekend Update, he's a absolute, he's the greatest. Mm. Um, he gives you a packet of uh, setups, but what the setups are are headlines, right? So it's like Donald Trump today did this and and then you're you have to write the joke. Right. Um, so you get, you know, like 30, 35 of those a day. And so essentially what it was were the setups from Monday of that week. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I could have turned in something that I, essentially they wanted to see that I could write a joke in a day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cause that's really the hardest part of weekend update, right? Like yeah. if you have a year to write 10 perfect jokes, you can do it. Of course. But do you have the skill of right now? I say, look at the news and write 20 jokes about what just happened. Right. I don't know. You know, right. that's a skill you have to develop. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was the packet and, and I got it. You got it. Cause Lauren liked you. That's fantastic. <laughs> but I was so mad. I was like, you fuckers. Yeah. I could have just come in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, so, so you get, you get, you get the gig, you get the, the, the gig as the writer on, uh, on, on update. And then, so you're up You're So then you go to New York at that point. Yeah. So it was Thanksgiving. So we had, you know, I had Thanksgiving and then I started and I was coming in, you know, there's three shows before Christmas. Right. And they're usually at that time, everyone's really tired. The, the schedule, it, it's still this way. The schedule is always very front loaded. So September, October, November, December, you have, I think more shows than you do in the back half. Right. Um, and so everyone was exhausted. And so it was this thing of me coming in of like, oh my God, hi. And everyone being like, oh, hi. Um, but, you know, I was so nervous because obviously I, I was so comfortable at Second City and and I got there and, you know, Seth Myers was leaving, um, but I did get to work with him for a couple months before he left. Mm -hmm. And he had writers, you know, starting on his show before the show started. And that was like John Lutz and Peter Gross and people yeah. that I knew from Chicago. And I remember they came up to the office. So I got to see them. And like, you know, I had Cecily. I, 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 so I was I had more people than I, I felt more comfortable than than I thought I would. Um, yeah. But those first those first few months are hard. I mean, the first the first three weeks you're in a hotel. They put you up in a hotel and it's the club quarters across from 30 Rock, which is a real pain cave of a hotel. It is not made to be a, a lug. It's not a luxury experience. It's gotcha. just like for, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, so it was always this weird thing of like going back to this weird hotel and trying to make oatmeal in a coffee maker. And um, <laughs> but then what was lovely was I got to come home and over the, you know, the holiday break, I got to finish my show at second city oh, so okay. i i left for you know three weeks did snl i got to come back then for those two weeks and finish the show and say goodbye mm. and that doesn't happen to a lot of people a lot of people are like you get it and you're gone yeah um but that was lovely that i felt like i got to say goodbye to that part of my life that must um, have been a really exciting time huh like that that stretch that must have been really crazy right you're like and Man, you know I'm... what else happened what else? my i i got engaged 
Jesus, why don't you just do everything at once? I really did. And my husband <laughs> was planning on proposing before I got SNL, which I, is true. He's not a liar. Um, <laughs> but but it was like, it was all, it was just everything at once um, happened. Wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. That's that amazing. Now, <clears throat> now, you know, you, you mentioned Cecily Strong. And a, a lot of people, I think, forget that Cecily anchored update for a while. Um, yeah. And she was terrific. I thought yeah. she was great uh, doing update. Yeah. In fact, I just watched... Over the um, over this weekend, we were uh, my, my girlfriend and I were like uh, going through the YouTube because she was not familiar with some of Vanessa Bayer's work. Oh, Vanessa! And, and I was oh my god! And I was like, well, you have to watch this, and you have to watch. So we ended up going down the wormhole, you know, of Vanessa Bayer, which is a fantastic wormhole to go down because yes. she's so goddamn amazing. And we uh, watched a, a bunch of Jacob Bar Mitzvah oh, Boy stuff, I which know. is one of the greatest characters I think in the history of SNL. And I speak in hyperbole a lot, but I really believe that. Um, and in particular, we watched one where Cecily was was anchoring, and where she's all- trying to be friends with Jacob. Oh my god! Yeah. It's oh so my cute. god! It's so funny and adorable, and and she worked so well with her and all that, and and it was just and th- those two worked, you know, together. I mean that you know during that stretch, the women were unbelievable, obviously during that yeah. stretch. But just to watch now, let me ask you this: Do you guys have any input as someone who writes exclusively for Update? When someone brings in a character like Jacob or Stefan or any of those guys that come up and, and are on our desk bits on, on update, do you guys have input on that? Well, most of the time those characters are written by other right. other writers. So what happens is like, you know, Jacob was uh Vanessa and Zach Kanan and um Merica Sawyer. And I think Simon might have written that too. But um so they would write that with her and then they would come in to us for like, you know, punch ups or, or yeah. things like that. Yeah. There were some characters, like if somebody had an idea for a character, sometimes they would just come in and we would write it with them. Like we would write all of Leslie uh, Jones's updates with her. Mm-hmm. So that was her and us that would do that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes there would be something random like, J- uh, not Jacob. God, what was his name? The, the, the Terran's uh, critic. Oh, oh, his, uh, it, oh it, it, it is, it's like Jacob, isn't it? Something, uh, Jacob. Uh, oh my God, yes. why can't I think of it? I can't the think 18, of his name. Yeah. Jared yeah. Atkinson? It's like yeah. Jebediah Atkinson. Jebediah, Jebediah right, Jebediah. Jebediah. There it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was literally written on a Saturday. Seth saw in the New York Times, they had published a retraction <laughs> because a critic had destroyed the Gettysburg Address in what it was given and the new york times waited over a hundred years to publish a retraction saying right right right, right, right. 150 years really to right. say we do not agree with you know what this person said and um he was like that is so funny could you imagine being the cr- the critic that did it like the gettysburg address yeah and so they just kind of wrote it for Taryn and like turned him into this dandy fop. Yeah. And, and we went from, and, and then, so that was something that we all wrote together Oh, that's great. after that. Cause that was like an update character. Yeah. Um, Bobby and Colin, a lot of Bobby stuff he wrote with Colin, a lot of, a lot of stuff Bobby wrote on his own. Bobby's a really good writer. Yeah. Um, you mean like drunk uncle and stuff like that. Uh, drunk uncle was him and Colin. That was, yeah. Um, but uh, but a lot of Bobby stuff, he would come into the office and just be like, I have this idea. And then we would kind of pitch on it with him. Yeah. But uh, but there's you know, it's it, 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 it varies. It depends. I, I don't know what it's like now. I think I think we've started, you know, 
update then the update writers then started being more uh, a part of like helping write the cold open and mm. things like that you know mm. as as things changed with how the news worked right where you know the things were changing you know yeah. right before the show i think we started getting more into you know sketches that were topical and political within the body of the show right. we started helping with those more and more and and you know i mean you were there from 2013 to 2019 um, right. And a lot of crazy shit happened politically during that time period that you were there. Yeah. I mean, it was and, unbelievable. And and so like how I mean, I mean, and, and stuff would happen during the week that would change like immediately. It was there was there was a certain period of time when this country was like, you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen the next day. So were yeah, you guys so, like on call? I mean, how did that work? Yeah. So it was kind of like I was there in real time as. Weekend Update itself completely changed the way that it worked. So the way it always worked was you write jokes throughout the week. By Friday night at like 9 o'clock, the show is – the Weekend updates basically set. Um, you might come up with a joke the next day if something happens. But for the most part, by Friday at 9, you were done. And we went home. Like it was, it was crazy. And then – that and then it, it slowly became more and more apparent that 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 might not work anymore. And yeah. then it wasn't until the Access Hollywood tape came out. Right. That was the first time where it was Friday night. That came out on a Friday night. Oh man. Where we all looked at we all looked at each other and we were like, we have to we have to stay here all night and write a whole new show. Yeah. Um. And we did, and it was it was actually quite exhilarating because I it bet. was yeah. you know it was a one off and it felt you know. It also, you know, at that time we were like, well, he's done now. Like it, it felt so, yeah. um, it's like such a nail in the coffin, but obviously yeah. it wasn't. But, um, but then after that, the way Weekend Update is written has completely changed where essentially, you know, we would be there till three, four in the morning on Fridays and then often writing most of it on Saturdays. Wow. Yeah. Because there was, you know, what you wrote on Monday and Tuesday was nothing. I mean, I it, it it didn't apply anymore. It would seem insane to talk about something that happened on Monday. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it, and again, I mean, that's just the way the world is now. Like exactly. literally, like you look at your phone and 15 minutes later, the world has changed. And exactly. And when you look at your phone on Monday, looking at your phone on Friday is a completely different thing. And you're, I and, mean, that's amazing well, that you guys, your, God, amazing. Yeah. Looking at your phone at 10 a.m. on Saturday is completely different from yeah. 10 p.m. on Saturday. Isn't so, that nuts? You guys, man. Yeah. Oh, man. And so luckily we were able to adapt to that. And I think that's why Weekend Update has been able to stay relevant and fun um, yeah. and exciting was because the team, you know, much to the chagrin of a lot of the producers and, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily the way the show works best, but we've yeah. been able to we've been able to do it. I mean, for a lot of people, and I'm sure you know this, you know, having worked on an update, a lot of people, people are like, I'm going to wait till update, you know, to see what's happened, what happens on update. Then I'll go to bed as you know, yeah. that's why there's a 1250 sketch. And that's why there's all that, all that other stuff is like, at that point it's like the, well, the second musical guest is done. So we're going to go to bed so we can put the weird shit on now before the end of the show. <laughs> you know, well, Lauren, Lauren always, Lauren always called, we can update the accordion of the show. So it can be as big or as little as needed, depending on the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that, that's what's, that's, what's really interesting about working on it. Is, it, it is essentially a show within a show. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. And you know, people enjoy it because it's a familiar format. <laughs> yeah. You know, who's going to be in it. You know, what's going to happen. You know, uh, it's the most sitcom -y of any of the, the things that happen on, on the show. 
I just did a, a, a an episode of this show, uh, this podcast, a couple of weeks ago, or uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, where I I go through everybody who's anchored. Um, oh wow! Um, and there have been I don't know if you know this or not, but there have been a total of thirty four people who anchored SNL. Who, who Do you anchored count? SNL. I'm counting. I'm, I count Horatio. Yes, with the glasses, being smart. Uh, okay. I, I count that. And also, there was that period of time where uh, during, you know, that weird Domanian Ebersol time, where right. at, at one point in I think season 10, that very weird Ebersol season 10, where uh, he decided that he wanted the people who hosted to anchor. Right. And you uh, count that. Yes, I do. Yes, okay. we I counted all that. I played some Don Rickles when Don Rickles anchored. I played some clips from him. <laughs> I played when Michael Douglas anchored, which was a train oh wreck. And, God. and and so yeah, so it's like thirty four people have sat at that desk and been quote unquote anchor, you know, filling in or doing it. And I and then I counted down my favorites. And my favorite anchor of all time um, is Norm Macdonald. He's my favorite uh, anchor. Yeah, it's hard not to yeah. to say that. Um, yeah. We would we would definitely. We, we, we watched so much Norm. I mean, one of the coolest things about working at SNL is that obviously you have access to a server that has everything that's ever happened on SNL, you know? Oh, man, and I couldn't so even imagine having that. We, you know, you have days, you have days where you're not inspired. And so you, you know, you watch an old update. And yeah. I think I have all of Norm's memorized. <laughs> yeah, no, the man, he was, I mean. But can what? I ask you why you think that is? Why Why is he your favorite? Uh, well, first of all, I love him in, before he got Update. I was a fan before Update and after Update. Okay. I just love Norm MacDonald. I just, I love the dry, like, sarcastic, smart-ass delivery, the kind of I don't give a fuck attitude that he had. And I, I Norm MacDonald was one of my favorite, I think one of the funniest humans that's ever walked the planet. And I loved his delivery. I loved the fact that he says, time for the fake news. He would do the, he would do that. And I just loved the delivery. And I loved how he handled, you know, the characters that would come on, um, you know, uh, that some, some anchors aren't really good at handling, like doing the byplay with the, with the cast members who come out to do their characters. And I thought Norm handled that really well. And I loved the fact that he, uh, you know, that he just didn't care. I mean, the guy got canned because he wrote too many OJ jokes and, you know, and I love that. <laughs> I just, I just I, it is delivery. I think it mostly was his delivery because I just really love the way he delivered it. Well, what's funny is too, and you know this, like as you watch the old shows, I mean, there's not a lot of laughter. Yeah. You look back and think like, oh, it, it, like Norm got silence for yeah, a did. lot of his jokes. Yeah, I think a lot of people rate him as their, as their number one. Yeah. Um, just because he he had a he did it the way that he wanted to do it he had a take on it but when it comes to the character you know we, we call them features when it comes to the people yeah. doing an update right. feature right I think the person who really kind of revolutionized the way that that worked was Seth yeah um, no question no question. Seth is such a fan Seth is such a fantastic interviewer um yeah. just in general you see that in his show yeah. um and he really would he really took that part of the he took that part of the show if you watch features prior to seth they're mostly monologues yeah absolutely um and then seth sort of brought it in because of his background in sketch and yep. um made them into kind of you know two-handers well he did i mean he becomes the 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 focal point of the final stefan they get married i mean that's yeah. 
You know, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's that's the the for the biggest proof. I mean, the whole and we were talking about Jacob, the bar mitzvah boy. He was always trying to encourage Jacob always. to be. I mean, that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Him working with the characters and him working on the features is amazing stuff. It really is. Yeah, yeah. and I think if you look back at, I think it, we think that that's how it always was. Yeah, but it's not. Like you look back and you think of you know the the guy who can't who has voice modulation syndrome that Will Ferrell did like that's just a monologue which by the way they only did that once on Weekend Update wait what really and we were like that was on all the time but it was only once and then he did it like when he came back oh my god really so as a cast member he only did it once I believe so because or maybe twice because I remember when he hosted we wanted him to do it again yeah and we kept looking for it and it was like at most it was twice but i think it might have been once and like wow. that's the one I, I remember and then i think bennett brown was which is the chris farley one where he yeah does the air quotes i think right. that was only, that was only once isn't that amazing how that's i mean that's just amazing. i know so 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 um what okay during that period that we're talking about when you when you worked there but during that really crazy period were you guys writing up until dress like even up until that until those moments we were writing up until air air okay I so mean, stuff there were, is, yeah, it was, it, you know, we were trying to figure out stuff before we would go on air. Mm-hmm. So it changed like the, the way that it, the way that the experience of working on the show changed, it was so drastic because it would be like, once the show started, you were done. Mm-hmm. And now it became, you know, once the show started, you were, that was the most work you had to do. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah. it, it was, um, it was, it was a really interesting and, and, you know, Seth works very different than Colin and Michael. Um, Colin and Colin more than Michael, but th- th- they're more, you know, they, they they're more stand up and they they do like to write up until the last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, they would rather have a, a joke that no one else could have ever done um, because of the timing of the show. Gotcha. Yeah. Then do something that maybe we polished earlier, which is which is cool. And it's, you know, look, that was the one thing that as there were so many late night shows, there was so much, you know, Twitter shit. There was just so much jokes about the news. Yeah, that was the one advantage we had was that we went on at a time that no one else was on. So there right. were certain things that we could talk about. And usually the juiciest things get dumped on the weekend. So people won't pay attention to that. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So. so, okay, let me ask you this. So how do, to you guys who, who wrote for Update, how many, how many people, how many of the staff, how many writers are on Update exclusively? There's four writers. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, we have Scott, who's our producer. And then we have Dennis, who's essentially like the head producer. Like he's like the go-between um, with like Lauren and us. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as official writers, there's, there's four. Okay. Now, do you guys all, when it starts, when update starts during the show, when you guys are there in the studio, do you all sit in one place and watch it? Do you all stand in the studio? Where do you watch? Where do you watch update? We go down to the floor and mm-hmm. we you're stand on the floor. On the, so you're on the floor, on the floor okay. and watch it. Yeah. 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 And what's, what is, what's that like? Can you, can you give me an experience as to, as to what that's like? I mean, some nights it, it doesn't go well. Some nights it goes great. Can you give me like a, a, a couple of stories about what it's like to be on the floor while that's happening? You know, there are there are times when it is so overwhelming, like when Adam Sandler did Opera Man on Update, and it was one of my last shows, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he's mm. saying stuff. There's a couple of things I wrote that he's saying, and oh, I'm standing man. here, and everyone's laughing, and it was just like, yeah. you know. And then there are times when 
and it's usually because you know update is right after the musical guest right and the musical guest can have a lot of impact on why people are there um a lot of people are there to just see a specific musical guest and don't care about the comedy sometimes the musical guest is a little bit of a downer um before update i mean Yep. In an ideal world, you want Bruno Mars to do this sh- <laughs> and then go into update. Um, but uh, but it is it is really interesting, and you learn very very quickly what the average person wants to laugh about. Um, I had I got such an incredible education about what the person the real honest to god person who watches tv and enjoys tv what they want to laugh about and what they what they're going to respond to because there would be there would be times when you would go out there and you would be like this is gonna crush and it would be crickets yeah you know it was just like we are not here to think about this we are not here to so so it was such an education in the real what what the real american audience is like Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it wasn't because you were like, this is an entire audience of Prince fans. They want nothing to do. Right. You know, the last thing they want is topical humor. You right. know, they're not here for that. So, you, so it was really crazy. You, you mentioned like the in- insanity of watching Adam Sandler deliver a joke that you wrote that gets a laugh. That's gotta be, I mean, mind blowing. It's gotta be mind blowing. Obviously. What, what, yeah. what was it? What was it like when stuff that you wrote killed? How, how, how great did it feel? What was it like? It feels really good. Yeah. It feels, it feels really, really good. I mean, it, I think the only way it would feel better is if I was saying it, you know what I mean? Like it, (laughs) it, it, it just, it, it feels really, really good because you take so many licks at that job. You take so many, I mean, you're writing 200 jokes a week Mm -hmm. and most of them aren't going to see the light of the day. You just feel like you're screaming into a void and, um, and you're with such talented people and then to say something and it gets a laugh. Yeah. And when it gets a laugh, like from Lorne or it gets a laugh from a specific person that's there. Yeah. It feels really, really good. You mentioned Lorne uh, laughing. Um, I've heard a million stories. I've read books about it. Um, how do you get Lorne to laugh? Do you know what makes Lorne laugh? Yeah. You write a really good joke. That's it. Okay. It's that simple. Lorne is at, at his heart. Lorne is a joke writer. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how he started and he is yeah. a joke writer and he yeah. responds to a well-crafted joke. Mm-hmm. You, you write a good joke or you have Keenan say something cause he will start. Laughing <laughs> I mean, that's how I think we're all like that. We're just like, let Keenan talk and we'll start laughing. That was, that was the thing we were watching. My girlfriend and I were watching uh, the Molly Shannon rerun uh, from this past season uh, yeah. that they just they showed on Saturday. And they, they had that vagina commercial, the, vag- the JJ commercial for the vagina medicine commercial. And it wasn't really working very well. And then Keenan comes in and says, JJ and gets a laugh. You're like, oh, well, Keenan, all you needed was Keenan yeah. to walk in. You and- just need Keenan. <laughs> you just need Keenan. Everybody. Yeah. We had a we had a character that was Che's neighbor, Willie. Oh my god. And he would say he would say the darkest things that were ever said on television. And I don't think people realized it because it was coming out of sweet, sweet baby Keenan, who's wearing like a, a tie with cats on it, you know. Right, right. At one point, this the whole point of this character is that he's the happiest guy Che knows and he ha- he clearly has the worst life. And yeah. at one point I think he says something like, well, it's like, because he would always go, well, it's like they always say, 
he was like, well, it's like they always say, you locked us in here with the shooter, Willie. And like, and we were all like, I can't believe that we were allowed to say that on TV. And I think it was just because it was Keenan saying, if anyone else yeah. had said it, you would be like, right. oh, no, yeah. no. Yeah. But uh, he just... Keenan. It's amazing how that guy has become, you know, like I remember when he first got hired, people were giving him shit because he was from Nickelodeon and did the kids shows and stuff. And now he's like the elder statesman. You know what I mean? It's like, there it is. Every person I've interviewed who has worked with him is like, he's the best. He's He's the best. And he's so good. Like he can, anything he says, you should do it. He's one of the few people, you know how Bill Hader always says, he has this thing where he's like, if, if somebody reads something you wrote and they don't understand it, they're right. But if they tell you how to fix it, they're always wrong. Mm-hmm. And Keenan's the opposite. Like anything, anytime he's like, I think it should be this. You're like, then it should be. He's yeah. right. He's yeah. done it for so long. He's, yeah. he's right. Um, yeah. You, he's, he's the best. Do you have favorite, do you have favorite stuff that you've written stuff that's gotten a laugh pr- pr- jokes that you were incredibly proud of that, that killed and that you were really fond of over the years? Yeah, I think, um, I wrote the last joke Seth Meyers ever told on Weekend Update. Oh, which wh- is okay. Pretty cool. Okay. Um, and then, like, there's a couple jokes that Seth, I wrote for Cecily that I'm really, really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think, I think really helped. Uh, I don't know. I think they really felt like her. Yeah. It feels really good when you write something that really feels like the person who's who's saying it. Yeah. Um, but I, I do. I have. I have a few jokes, and I have a few jokes that didn't go over well that are still my favorites that mm-hmm. I have, you know, I have a fondness yeah. for. I, I, when you know, when jokes don't go well, I love the way Che handles it. Che is my favorite at when, when a joke <laughs> just doesn't go well. I, the way he handles, well, they both do it great. You know, uh, Jost is great too at doing that. But I'm telling you, there's something about Che when a joke doesn't bomb or when it bombs. <laughs> and the and the byplay between the two of them, and of course, at the end of the at the end of the season when they do the here are jokes that Che wrote for right. For right. Colin and the Colin wrote for Che. I mean, that's genius. I mean, that's just hilarious. Completely hilarious. I think I forget how that came up, but I think it was something where we were like, you know, you would always you would write a joke. And then sometimes we had to say, like, I think this is specifically a Che joke or I think this is specifically a Colin joke or so. Yeah. You know, it's there's just yeah. certain jokes that the other one can't really tell. Right. And I think it was for Christmas was the first time we did it. And we were like, would it be funny if we if they gifted each other like oh, the jokes that were for yeah. the other person, you know, yeah, yeah. or it actually might have been it might have been during Easter was like the first time we thought of it mm-hmm. where Colin was like, I have this idea where we like resurrect jokes that didn't work for yeah. Easter. Yeah. And then and then it just kind of it kind of went from there. But, yeah. you know, just leaning into the the very obvious differences between these two yeah. people i think yeah. is, is it's great really, it's great really i mean that, it was yeah. a great idea and you guys i mean it was fantastic it was, it's and it continues to be like a highlight i look forward to it every year um that they do it i just think it's great um and, and you know and seth does that on his show too where and then he'll show a picture of the writer who wrote the joke like jokes that bombed that he did that were cut and then he would do it <laughs> And then show a picture of the actual person who wrote the joke. He's he loves to do that. He's a very he's a he's a wonderful person to write for as a writer because yeah. he knows what writers do. Yeah. Um, um, before I, I let you get out, and we've been talking for a long time here. Uh, before, I know you better edit this down. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's going to happen because it's been great. <laughs> but um, so Chicago Party Ant. Good God. Um, I love it so. So how did that start? You're one of the creators of it, and it, the show is goddamn hilarious. Animated show on Netflix. Um, where where did Chicago Party Ant come from, and 
my God, it's great. I just love oh, it. Oh, well, so. thank you. It was, uh, it's a Twitter account, which is not necessarily how you want to create a show. <laughs> but, um, and, and everybody, everybody thought it was me. Everyone was emailing. Every, everyone just assumed it was me. Yeah. Um, but it was not, it was a, a, a friend of mine. And this, this guy, Richie Schwartz, who is this wonderful guy from Chicago, he works with uh, Ben Stiller now. He works for his company, but um, mm. he's he's this amazing producer. He's one of the few producers who is very good at their job, and who's a very good writer and is very funny. And he's just he's wonderful, Richie Schwartz. Mm -hmm. He um, he was like a fan of the account, and he thought it could be a show. He thought it could be an animated show, and then they asked me to be a part of it. And then we did it. And there are things I would have done differently. There mm -hmm. are things, you know, that I don't love about it. But mm -hmm. the coolest thing was it was kind of a, it got me into animation, which is, you know, where I'm, I'm working in right now. Right. And, uh, and I love, I love working in animation because there's a, there's a collaborative nature to it that feels sort of like a second city situation. You know, it's just every, every aspect of it makes it, makes it better you know I, I just it feels extremely purely collaborative mm -hmm. so so i'm 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 very happy to have gotten into that uh that world mm -hmm. and uh, so you're so you're working in animation what else are you what else are you working on now is there anything else that you're doing now well i don't know if you know this but the entire industry is on strike that's right um, yeah I, so... I wasn't aware of that i didn't hear about that till like yesterday. no yeah oh okay well you know that's <laughs> you you got your life i got mine um, but no, we are, we are all on strike. Right. And so unfortunately there's not much you can really work on right now. Right. Okay. Um, and that uh, is due to the greed of people who have so much and don't need any more, but can't comprehend not having it all. Yeah. So there you go. I think that sums it up perfectly. Now, before uh, I let you get out of here, uh, during that stretch where you were writing for SNL and update, um, you, uh, you were there, uh, that, that there was something that happened in, in 2016, something good. Yeah. Let's talk about the thing, the good thing that happened in 2016. It's the only good thing that happened. And then, every, <laughs> and then my life was terrible after that. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the Cubs won the world series in 2016. Yes. Uh, and I was able to go to a game. I went mm -hmm. to the, I went to game three, mm -hmm. um, because my dear friend Scott Goldstein was kind enough to uh, invite us to the game and they lost, but whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I, I knew I was going to have to work. I knew I was going to have to be in uh, at SNL um, for game seven. My Pete Schultz, who I brought up before, he's a huge baseball fan. He, mm -hmm. him and I sort of toyed with the notion of like driving to Cleveland and like maybe going to the game, but then it was like, that was insane. There was no way to pull that off. Um, and so I watched the, I watched game seven from the office at weekend update. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed up all night talking to my friends and my family and my Scott and Pete were like, you don't have to uh, turn in any jokes tomorrow. It's okay. Uh, so they let me <laughs> have the day off <laughs> mm -hmm. afterwards. And then, you know, every time the, you know, Lauren is a huge baseball, he loves baseball. And yeah. um, we, the, the World Series champions are almost always on Weekend Update. And obviously there was this connection with Bill Murray, who has become you know, the, the, he's the mascot for Chicago sports. Uh, 
And so it was like all, so what did they, they won on a Tuesday, right? Yes. Or Wednesday. They won Wednesday. on a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. They yeah. won on a Wednesday. Yeah. And so then it was a matter of like me, I was talking to the talent department and I was like, so who's coming? Who's coming? And it was always, you know, they were like, Zobris was going to come and then he didn't. And then this person was going to come and then they didn't. And they were asking me, they're like, well, who should come? And I'm telling them and all this stuff. Um, and so anyway, so they were going to sing Go Cubs Go on Weekend Update. Mm -hmm. And we had like professional singers that were going to be in the background. And right. this was at our morning meeting on Saturday where okay. I was what, like. Real, wait, hold on. Hold on for that. Let me play just a quick piece of audio. And then, oh, and okay. then tell the rest of the story. Okay, really? I'll just play the intro to this. Here's, here's okay. So why don't you guys introduce yourself for the audience and the viewers at home? I'm Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> I'm David Ross. <laughs> and I'm Dexter Fowler. <laughs> I'm Bill Murray. Guys, can you please put into words what it feels like to be named the first winners of Weekend Update's The Voice contest? It's unbelievable. I can't describe it. This is the best thing we've ever done. And now I have to ask, uh, you on the end, you look familiar. Uh, did you used to work here? I did. I knew it. I knew it. Okay, so that's the setup. That's the setup. I don't remember any of that, I have to be honest with you. That's, I don't before, you, that's before you came out on stage. That's before you I don't remember that ha there being that weird, that stupid voice bit. That was the I bit. They had the that. graphic. The graphic came up, the, the logo for the I don't remember that. Yeah. And then they, then, they, then they launch into Go Cubs Go. So what do you remember about it then? It, it, the whole, that's the whole setup. So then that morning, as we were, you know, we, we would meet every morning on Saturday and kind of, you know, start start working and um we were talking about that segment and whatever there were there was you know there were singers and um i kind of said very casually i was like well maybe i can be one of them like thinking no way and my the group of people that i worked with are such wonderful people that they were like absolutely you're gonna do that oh, and i was yeah. like what and they were like absolutely you're gonna do that are you kidding me and so, I mean, it was a pain in the ass on their end because I had to be in like a rehearsal and I had to get a costume fitting, you know, all this stuff. I was not doing my job. Um, but they let me have that uh, that experience where I got to go out there and sing Go Cubs Go. And it was so funny because, first of all, there were cue cards for Go Cubs Go that I obviously did not need. Mm -hmm. And um, the other people that were singing with me are actual singers. And so they were like trying to, you know, match pitch and things like that. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you, but you don't got to worry about it. Like this is a song that is meant to be sung drunk. Like don't, yep. don't worry about it. So, yep. um, and it just really meant the world to me because I couldn't be there for it to happen, but I got that. Isn't and that actually, amazing? And actually it, our photos in the hall of fame. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. They, it's the cue card. Uh, and then and then that photo. That's so amazing. It, it was really, really, well, really cool. Having watched that footage many times, you look like you're on cloud fucking nine. Like the, I you, really was. You look like the happiest person. You're right behind Rizzo. You look like the happiest Ugh. person in the world at that point. I was. I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was so crazy. Yeah. And I remember Dana Carvey was on the show that yes, day. Yes, he actually. was. He, yes, he was. He was yeah. doing a bit and we had yeah. done um we had done some punch ups on his his 
uh, it was Church Lady, I believe. Yeah, Church Lady, did Church Lady, yeah. Yeah, we yep. had done some punch-ups on it earlier in the writer's room, and he was lovely, and uh, he was just so wonderful to work with. And then, and then of course, I, I'm i down there, you know, on the in the wings, and he's there, and I'm wearing this, like, I, I look completely different, right? Like, I looked like a scumbag, exhausted writer. And yeah. then suddenly I'm in this, like, beautiful dress and have my makeup done. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God, Katie? And I was like, hey, he goes... <laughs> He goes, he goes, you're like Superman. <laughs> you completely changed. That's amazing. And I was that, like, yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah. And I have to be honest with you. I, I am so grateful for that because I was so nervous. I think I, I, I was, I, I, if I had really let myself comprehend what was about to happen, I think I would have flipped out. But the fact that he yeah. was there and he was like, he was just chatting with me and I, yeah, it, it was wonderful. It's like That's a, great. it's such a wonderful memory. And then you know, and then hell, and then a portal to hell opened, and we all right. Had to, no, I know. And, I, and I've often said that I would exchange what happened a week later. I would too. Uh, I would the Cubs if if the Cubs didn't win the World Series that year. In exchange for that, I would say I don't want the Cubs to win the World Series. That's, I don't either. They don't yeah. have to win. I, they don't have no. to win ever. I agree. I totally, I totally agree. Be fine. But that night, though, it was good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was it good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> and so I have to, and I want to shout out to Carrie Powers. She's one of the talent uh, folks who also helped make that happen. Yeah. Um, and she got me some autographs and a photo, and um, so I. Yeah. Uh, it, it was really lovely. And not only that, man, you know, you had Dana Carvey, you got Bill Murray, you got the Cubs, you got Rizzo, you got Ross, you got Fowler, who, by the way, was my favorite player on that team. Oh, um, he's the best. The best leadoff man ever. And um, and Cumberbatch was the host. You got Benedict Cumberbatch as your host. That you night. had Cumberbatch. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny afterwards when I w went and, like, I, I, I was talking, Carrie brought me in and was like, oh, this is Katie and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was talking to those guys. And Ross is just such a pro. Yeah. Like, he was just like, all right. He's like, you want a picture? Like, let's do this. Like, he was just <laughs> such a pro. And they were all just so sweet, and they had been having yeah. so much fun. And you could also tell poor Anthony Rizzo was so exhausted. Like, yeah. he had been partying, and, like, yeah. you know, like, Ross was there with his wife. Dexter yeah. was there with his family. You know what I mean? Ross, yeah. meanwhile, is just like yeah. – or not Ross Rizzo. Is Rizzo, meanwhile. yeah. It's like Rizzo so was, he was partying so hard. But well, that's an great. it's an incredible memory to have, and and also an incredible memory just working for those years on SNL and achieving that dream that you achieved. And congratulations on all that. You did great work on SNL. I uh, thanks, Nick. That know, means a lot. And uh, and I and you know you might have problems with Chicago Party Amp, but I think it's pretty great. So oh uh, well, thank you. That's all that matters is that <laughs> yeah. the people who watch it like it. I mean, I I'm never gonna, I'm never going to like anything I do. I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, that's 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 true. But well, but you know, if you like it, then that's all that matters. Well. I can't tell you what a what an unbelievable pleasure it's been to talk to you, Katie. Uh, it's just thanks, been great. Nick. This was and, so fun, and, and um, congratulations on the podcast. Well, and thank everything. you, thank you, and and I hope yeah. to meet you at some point. Uh, yes, we have when, to. When you, I'll wait outside your, I'll wait outside your childhood home. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll come down the stairs, and we'll we'll Hopefully take the, we'll take, we'll, we'll take the brown line. We'll take the brown <laughs> line somewhere. That'll that'll be what happens. Uh, Katie Rich, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Great stories about working on uh, SNL for Weekend Update, and it was just a, it was a joy to have you on the podcast, and I appreciate it. Really was thanks okay. Nick. all right thanks katie my thanks to katie rich for joining me on this episode of that show hasn't been funny in years an snl podcast my thanks to you for listening please spread the word like and uh and 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 share and please take the time to rate and review us on every platform please listen to my other podcast which is the nick d podcast also available here at radio misfits the radio misfits podcast network check out our live streaming service 24 7 it's like the radio only cooler and that would be radiomisfits.live. If you have some feedback, you want some uh, suggestions or uh, comments about the SNL podcast, 
We have a voicemail line that's open 24-7 at 773-417-6948. You can email me to both podcasts with your thoughts and your comments and your contributions, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to be a sponsor of this podcast, we would love to have you as an advertiser right here on the podcast. And uh, you can just uh, write your thoughts to sales at radiomisfits.com. I love doing the uh, this uh, Saturday Night Live podcast, and we'll do another one very, very uh, next week at the very, very same time. Um, and my thanks to uh, Jason Skaggs for writing all the great themes and the music, the opening theme for this and the closing theme, which is this. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. My thanks to Ed Silla, everybody at Radio Misfits. My thanks to you for listening. I'm Nick DiGilio. We'll be back again next Wednesday for a brand new episode of that show. It hasn't been funny in years. An SNL podcast. See you then. Thanks. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.